Hi, I'm Mark Roderick. Coming up on Front Row, North Carolina's nonprofit hospitals draw scrutiny. It's back to the drawing board for redistricting. And should members of Congress be banned from trading stock? Next. Major funding for Front Row is provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by. Funding for the Lightning Round provided by Body Knoll Foundation, NC Realtors, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, and Helen Lockery. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row. Welcome back. Joining the conversation, Mitch Kokai with the John Locke Foundation, Jay Chaudhry, the Democratic Whip in the Senate, political analyst Joe Stewart, and Nelson Dollar, senior political advisor to North Carolina Speaker House. Mitch, why don't we begin with the North Carolina Treasurer's Report on nonprofit hospitals? North Carolina has more than 100 nonprofit hospitals statewide, and part of their tax-exempt status is based on this idea that they're going to provide charity care. But a new report suggests that these hospitals face very little accountability when it comes to the charity care and also bad debt. It's a study that came out the North Carolina State Health Plan, run by the treasurer, uh, uh, Dale Falwell, and the National Academy of State Health Policy. It says that some of these hospitals are billing poor patients up to three times the national average. And if you look at just 18 of the 100-plus nonprofit hospitals, they billed almost $150 million, $150 million to people who should have qualified for charity under the hospital's own rules. The hospitals billed somewhere between 12% and 29% of their bad debt to these underprivileged patients who shouldn't have had to pay anything at all. The pandemic apparently made it even worse, that the, the numbers got even worse. And so now Treasurer Falwell and some state lawmakers are looking into this. And perhaps we're going to see some action to do something about it. Will we see some legislative action, Jay? Well, that question was posed in the press conference, and I think it's unclear. Um, I think one of the first steps will be to continue to have conversations with the hospitals. I mean, what I would say is, one, it's important to recognize that hospitals on the front line dealing with the pandemic. But at the same time, the report did raise some uh, alarming issues. Specifically, uh, the, the, the report talked about aggressive pursuance of, um, of patients based on uh, credit card, on debt practices and collections. Uh, there no was, collectors. Yeah, there was, a, there was an example in which uh, hospitals have been pushing uh, patients to actually take out credit cards in order to shift their credit to uh, to a credit card, but these have real consequences. I mean, medical debt is, is the leading uh, indicator of whether a family will file for bankruptcy and another study has found that those families in debt are less likely to go back and seek additional Medicare uh, okay. medical help. Nelson, you have floor? Yeah. Yes, well, look, the treasurer has an ongoing feud with hospitals, and this report is a very thinly veiled, you know, thinly sourced opinion. The report doesn't contain... Emails uh, to I, Nelson Dollar. Well, it, the, it doesn't contain... I've read the report. It's very, it's very incomplete. It doesn't uh, actually account for all the charity and uncompensated care that hospitals are providing. It doesn't account for the community benefit and the investments that hospitals are making. And they're trying to make this, this out that the, all these hospitals are making all this money. A third of the hospitals nationally are actually financially underwater. 
after this past year. You were seeing all of this consolidation, closures of hospitals because of the financial conditions that these, these institutions are, are in. So the General Assembly has been working to keep hospitals open. Um, health, in healthcare, we don't need more people taking shots. What we need are people working together for solutions. This report does not help that. Joe, your thoughts, my friend. Well, uh, healthcare is a complicated marketplace, and in many ways it's irrational. The emergency room at a hospital has to take a customer that walks in and needs care. Unlike Walmart, if you don't have the money, Walmart's not going to let you just take the products away. And so it creates a kind of complexity that undoubtedly it's time for the state to take a look at all of the things driving cost in the healthcare marketplace. Federal legislation was uh, put in place January 1st on the issue of surprise billing when people suddenly get a bill for services because a particular practitioner is not within the network. North Carolina's health insurance rates are relatively high by comparison with other states. A lot of factors within the healthcare system need to be evaluated. The treasurer, perhaps uh, seeing this as an opportunity, as the person who's responsible for the state employee's health plan, a significant customer of health care in the state, all of the state employees and all the retirees, that's but, a big slice of the market. Let's take a full review of all of the facts and not just cherry pick, you know, 990s or one, one little set of information. Okay, we've got to move on. I want to talk about the latest redistricting What's going on with the redistricting case, the continuing saga, my friend? Yes, so Mark, uh, last Friday night, right before this uh, show aired, the state Supreme Court issued an order that uh, ruled that the Republican drawn congressional and state legislative maps were unconstitutional. That was that was a 4-3 vote on the, on the state uh, Supreme Court. And uh, essentially, not surprisingly, uh, the Republicans. That was Republicans, a partisan vote, right? It was a partisan vote. Not surprisingly, the Republicans, the three Republicans on the court, uh, d dissented. Uh, the four Democrats on the court said that there was uh, there was gerrymandering. Uh, late this week, Republicans uh, indicated that they would start drawing maps. They have to do so by uh, Friday, February 18th. Uh, if the Supreme Court decides that they can't accept a map passed by the legislature, then there's an expectation that a special master appointed by the state Supreme Court will draw the maps. Mitch, is this judicial overreach? You've written about this and covered it a lot. Well, it's not overreach in the sense of the Supreme Court having a say over the state constitution, but I think there are a lot of people, especially those three Republican justices, who would say that the four Democratic justices are reading into the Constitution something that's not there. The free elections clause in the Constitution says all elections shall be free. It doesn't say anything about election maps, nor does the free speech provision, free assembly, or equal protection of the laws. You basically have to say, uh, go through all kinds of legal shenanigans to come up with a ruling that says, because of these provisions in the Constitution, partisan gerrymandering, which has been part of the process ever since the United States was first formed, James Madison was almost gerrymandered out of Congress, that that somehow it violates the state constitution. That's why some people are looking at it as overreach. Nelson, what's been the reaction from the GOP leadership? Well, just calling it exactly what it is, and that's a Democrat majority court issued an order to achieve a political objective. That objective is to elect more Democrats. Their opinion actually claims that the state constitution requires, and I quote, equal voting power on the basis of partisan affiliation. As Mitch said, that doesn't exist anywhere in our federal or state constitutions. V voter, voting, voters' affiliations change. Communities' voting patterns change. The only legal standard that they've really established here is we don't like the outcome of elections, so we're going to change it in the court. You know, it's, it is um, 
a very unfortunate decision that, they, that they've reached. Obviously, the General Assembly will comply with it. Joe, could this go to the U.S. Supreme Court? Is it likely? I, I, don't, I don't know that it's likely at this point. I, I think we'll have to see how the Republican leadership in the General Assembly wants to proceed from this point forward. But the interesting dynamic in this for me is two of the justices in this decision from the state Supreme Court are up for re-election. Robin Hudson, the justice, decided not to run again, so that's going to be an open seat race. And Justice Jimmy Irvin, also a Democrat, will be running for re-election for his seat. We could see a different partisan balance in our state Supreme Court by January of 2023. If this litigation continues, and I think it's very likely, we'll have a different array of state Supreme Court justices making these decisions for subsequent versions of the maps for the rest of the decade. Jay, wrap this up in about 40 seconds, my friend. So, look, I, I think that there's an expectation that the Republicans will uh, appeal this to the United States Supreme Court. I mean, there is there is precedence to say that the court should not take these maps up based on what we saw in Pennsylvania. I'll also say to Nelson's point or point is that uh, the Supreme Court in the Rucho decision in 2019 said that partisan gerrymandering can be decided by state Supreme Courts, and then we just saw the North Carolina Supreme Court exercise that that uh, power. But within the limitations of what their state constitution provides for, which doesn't exist, they're just making it up out of the state constitution. Well, I think, I think lawyers exist. and justices disagree on that, and I think that's the Okay, that great we have. conversation. I want to move on, Nelson, talk to you about uh, the momentum that seems to be building, uh, the banned stocks. Uh, or a congressman from uh, buying stocks. Well, that's right. So during her 35 years in Washington, Speaker Nancy Pelosi has always supported members being able to trade stocks, her and her husband, who's a financier. Um, uh, according to the website, Unusual Whales, which you ought to check out, Nancy and Paul once again this last year beat the S&P 500 uh, on their investments in their stock trade. So, uh, and only I five. Give them a call. Oh, well, that's right. Only five <laughs> Republicans ranked ahead of her in market performance. So she's doing very well. Uh, last year, about 105 members of Congress traded with gains of over 464 million dollars in various. Uh, investments. Uh, but all good things must end, and Speaker Pelosi is finally caving in to demands for her caucus to ban <laughs> stock trading. There's a host of proposals from Republicans and Democrats, everything from a total ban to saying, well, you've got to use mutual funds, blind trust, and they're also talking about expanding it to federal judges. Why with now? Why now? Because it's something that changes the conversation. You know, it's, we but is do it a CYA, Joe? Well, to some kind extent, of take the issue off the, the table before the election? Well, I, th I think to some extent, probably, as uh, the conversations within the Congressional Democratic Caucus, both House and Senate, they're looking for wins at this point. They feel a tremendous headwind approaching in this election, so they do want to change the narrative. And this is maybe a good way to say we finally have come to the realization that the appearance of impropriety from allowing members of Congress to be active investors is something that we should curtail. And quite frankly, Frankly, it's probably long overdue. I mean, the public's perception. A lot of these guys come in virtually broke and come out pretty successful well, it, financially. It, it, it's possible that that's a coincidence to their service in Congress. I don't know. It's also possible that uh, it starts snowing and raining and, and thundering and lightning all at the same time. It's possible. Uh, <laughs> I would say that in all likelihood, it's not likely that someone is not using, at least in some portion, uh, their ability to understand and influence public policy to their benefit economically. But insider information is already illegal. Well, is it insider trading?
Jay. Well, I think to Nelson's point, insider Inside. trading is illegal, but there's been there have been complications in trying to implement the bill that's already in place that prohibit insider trading, including disclosure. I, let me say a couple of things. One is I find it interesting that Nelson singled out Nancy Pelosi because part, you know, members of both parties have done this. The great thing about She's Nancy Pelosi, well, they been a long well, time supporter. well, you know, Republicans have characterized Nancy Pelosi as being socialist from San Francisco, but she invoked the free market economy when she first wasn't coming on board with this legislation, which she now is doing. I, you know, and, and lastly, I think it's important to think about some questions. One is how far will the prohibition extend? Does it extend to family right, we'll members? Blind trust, right? Right. What investments would be covered? And then, as Nelson asked, I mean, or pointed out, the question is: Is it extend to the judiciary? Right? Because because the Wall Street Journal had an article about many judges presiding over court cases in which they actually own stocks in those companies. Mitch. Yeah, and that's the, the points that Jay made are, are making me wonder whether this is also a poison pill. Nancy Pelosi said that she was for Great it, but point. she also said, hey, this should extend to the judiciary and every other branch of government. Keep expanding and, and slow walk it. Exactly. And she also has not committed to banning close family members from this. It's her husband who's been the one making the trades. I'm sure she's involved in the discussion. But if, if your spouse can do all these trades, it basically defeats the whole purpose. But you know the average guy doesn't have this kind of information, right. and they get the pack money and the whole nine yards. Now, let's wrap this up in about 60 seconds. I think when you come back and you look at the issue, it is a great distraction from inflation. It's a great distraction from other issues that are not moving forward in Washington right now. Everyone can get on the reform train. They can all go out in their districts and say, we're making sure it's that, good you know, government. It's good it's government. It's good government and, you know, don't pay attention to the inflation. Don't pay attention to, to anything else that's, that's, that's going on. But, it, but there are uh, just a host of different ways to go about it. And it could eventually, um, as Jay is saying, it could bog down in the details. Okay, let's talk politics, the latest tracking poll from Reuters, Joe. Yeah, a, a, a wide array of polls actually have come out recently. Things do not look good for President Biden. If you look at the average of polling from when he started in office a full year ago, he was 20 percentage points up, and now he's 71%. almost... percent Yeah, he's almost 20 percentage below uh, uh, water, what we would say, more unfavorable than favorable perception of, of the American public. Another poll came out from the Pew Center showing uh, various subgroups demographically, black Protestants, which is a key group for the Democratic uh, of the Democratic base now have fallen from 92 percent approval of the president to just 65 percent. So this is pretty significant. Now, presidential approval does have a tendency to swing. George Bush was at a high of 90 percent favorable at one point and then a low of 25. Although voter attitudes are a little bit more baked in now. President Trump's high was 49 and his low was 34. So the margins are not quite what they once were. The partisan divide really showing. But the president who now taking it on the chin on things like the price of gasoline, which has jumped up 20 cents on average over the last 30 days, and the announcement that inflation has been calculated at over 7%. Th those kinds of things are not going to help. And I think for Democrats looking and facing re-election or election in this cycle, the, the president's relative lack of popularity and declining popularity among key demographic groups important to Democrats is very worrisome. Mitch, is he box office poisoned in the... Uh election this time? I think it's going to be tough for anyone who's running on the Democratic side to want to tie themselves at all to Joe I mean, Biden. Will he come in? Or will people want him to come in for him? Some people might in particular districts, but if there's any type of swing to your district, you don't want to have uh, Joe Biden anywhere near. 
Beyond Biden himself, though, some of the other recent polling just shows bad for bad news for anyone who is an incumbent or has been seen as the person in charge. We've got 63% in a recent Ipsos poll saying we're on the wrong track. That includes 67% of independents. So a lot of people just don't like what's happening right now, and the people who are in charge are the ones who are going to pay for it. Is Hillary going to run in 2024? <laughs> You've been waiting for this, right? You, you keep asking me that question. No, I, I, I don't think Hillary's going to run, but I think what Democrats need She's to run. She's talking to the uh, Democratic uh, Party up there in New York. Well, She's uh, a headliner. <laughs> Is she teeing it up? I, I don't think that constitutes running. I mean, look, I think uh, I think what Democrats need to be running on is the economy, and while inflation is a problem, I mean, as I've said uh, before on this show, uh, Joe Biden has created more jobs uh, than, than Donald Trump and, and the, both George Bushes combined. Well, what does and, he run on? What are the talking points? What, what can they point to? Well, create, creating jobs, for one. I mean, 40 out of the last 42 million jobs created since 1989 have happened under Democratic presidents, and Joe Biden has created three times more jobs than Donald Trump and bo both George Bushes combined. the jobs that were lost in the pandemic. Which was due to Donald Trump's to mismanagement of the pandemic, and his, <laughs> it, it, which led us to the recession that we're getting but out of But you know, right when now. you look at it, the independents are really a problem here for him, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the challenge is, in addition to this relative sense of favorable and unfavorable, an increasing number of unaffiliated voters are saying they even question whether the president's capable of being president of the United States. He's too old, many of them say. They're worrying about his capacity to serve as president. That is a significant issue for Biden. No matter what happens, if the economy suddenly got better and we solved all of the world's problems, there is an underlying concern among unaffiliated voters about Biden's capacity to serve as president. Yeah, that's bad news, don't you think? I think that's bad news. I mean, it's kind of like Shakespeare and Steinbeck once said, now is the winter of our discontents. And Americans are fundamentally fed up with pandemic, inflation, crime, a whole host of issues. If you look at the Gallup Satisfaction Survey, it dropped in January to 17%, the third lowest in 40 years. So I think in terms of Biden, he's lost the American public's right. confidence, and there's no quick fix. Okay, we got to go move. Let's go to the most underreported story of the week, Mitch. Thank you, Joe, for teasing my underreported story. Three North Carolina congressmen have signed on to this letter among 38 total congressmen. Actually, it's 40 now. Uh, going to President Biden that said uh, he should take a cognitive test and publicize the results. This is not something new. Uh, political opponents and members of the media clamored for President Trump to do the same thing he back in 2018. He did it, passed the cognitive test. And the main author of this letter is Dr. Ronnie Jackson, who is now a U.S. representative from Texas, but was the White House physician for both President Obama and President Trump. And he's saying, look, the evidence is showing that your cognitive decline is here. The, the polls are showing that people don't think that you're mentally fit. Take the test. Prove that you are. Jay? Well, they've also have photos, evidently, of Representative Jackson being hung over on many trips, too. So uh, most underreported story, if we're going to talk about President Biden, let's talk about President Trump. A New York Times reporter has a new book coming out in which she reports that the White House residents periodically discovered wads of printed paper clogging a toilet, and it's believed that President Trump had flushed pieces of paper, uh, national security pieces of paper, down the toilet. Well, it's a bestseller. It, it, it's expected to be a bestseller, not because of the a Trump dump necessarily, but uh, I think other information that's included in that book. Did they check the silverware when he left? Okay, <laughs> go ahead, Joe. I mean, you know what, if I need to change my under to a certain Wake County Democratic senator maybe making plans to go to Iowa and New Hampshire right after the primary, I don't know what to say it. 
Now, uh, at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory recently, the U.S. government announced that some success with fusion fuel. I mean, this is good this news. It's a great story. An otherwise uh, uh, r relatively difficult time in human history. We're getting increasingly closer to these remarkable technological advancements uh, relative to energy. It, it, what drives the global economy is energy, and if we could master fusion fuel, we might make a big difference. Unfortunately, this test, while successful, only generated enough, enough electricity to be comparable with a 9-volt battery. So your smoke detector could be run with this, but I think we have bigger plans than just that. Nelson, underreported. This week, inflation hit a new 40-year high, 7.5%. The question is why. In the 1960s, economy, economists said higher inflation was a trade-off with lower unemployment. In the 70s, the monetarists said inflation was caused by excess money in, uh, in the money supply. In the 80s, or since the 80s, Fed chairs have said, forget those theories, just focus on keeping prices and unemployment low. The last two decades, the M2 money supply has soared by $11 trillion. But just in the last two years, an additional $6 trillion have been pumped in to the money supply. So that is from massive government spending and liquidity. The monetarists are saying that is what is fueling inflation now. So they're, they're sort of the Milton Freemans of the world have, have come back, uh, their ghosts have come back. And if they are right, you're going to see, Jay, inflation remain excessively high, no matter what the, the Fed does, Right up until Election Day, well, and actually time quite we balanced further. the budget was under Clinton and Gingrich. Do you expect that the uh, interest rates will go up uh, significantly this year? They are talking. The Fed's talking about raising interest rates as many as five to seven times. The the head of the uh, St. Louis Fed is saying raise it a full uh, point, which would be a tremendous amount. Here's the risk they run. They run the risk of just putting the brakes on too fast and diving us straight into a recession. The head of the European Central Bank, uh, Lagarde, she is saying she is going to hold off on rate hikes right now. Okay, let's go to the lightning round. Who's up and who's down this week, Mitch? What's up is technology in the hands of school kids in North Carolina. There was a report in the General Assembly this week that the state has spent something like $230 million in this effort in terms of dealing with distance learning. We're talking about devices, hotspots, tech support. Among this, 200,000 devices that include some tablets, even for some of the youngest students. There was some concern that perhaps the youngest students ought not to get this technology because it's it's not appropriate right. for them, but certainly something to, uh, to, to look at. Down, the historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, not because of anything that they have done, but because they have been subjected to bomb threats since January 1st, at least 28 across the country. It was enough that Congresswoman uh, uh, Adams from right. North Carolina came out and spoke about it. She sponsored a resolution honoring these schools. Jay. Um, who's up? Sports gambling. Uh, legislation to legalize online sports gambling is expected to uh, be taken. Not in time for the Super Bowl. Not in time for the Super Bowl, but is expected to uh, pass the General Assembly. Virginia and Tennessee already have passed legalized sports wagering, and this week Governor Cooper indicated he would support some legislation. Who's down? Uh, healthcare workers. There's a shortage of workers that's putting extra pressure on North Carolina-run mental health facilities. Department of Health and Human Services has nearly 3,500 open positions, and those workers are either earning more money or they're actually getting burnt out and leaving, and those workers are hard to replace. Joe? 
Who's up? Booze. The U.S. Treasury Department announced that they are uh, uh, rolling out efforts to try to equalize regulatory and differentiated taxation systems that is causing a real uh, crisis in this $250 billion industry in America to try to spur more uh, craft breweries and, and unique distilleries. The consolidation in the industry recently has raised some concerns. The federal government taking action in this. Who's down? Big Brother. The IRS decided they're not going to use the facial recognition system that they designed. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine the conversation at the U.S. Department uh, of Treasury where they said, hey, you know what? We Great idea to improve the popularity of IRS. Why don't we use facial recognition software? So yeah, they're not going to do that. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Who's up? Who's down? Uh, up. European Union for taking the wise of controversial step of declaring natural gas and nuclear energy power plants uh, qualify as green investments. Germany and Spain are opposed. Uh, the French and Eastern European countries uh, favor this. France actually just announced this week uh, 14 new nuclear power plants in their future. Maybe they got Down. working on to your stuff. <laughs> Down is the Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau, who has lost complete control of the trucker protest uh, over the COVID okay. mandates and restrictions. This week, those truckers have blocked a major bridge carrying trade between Canada and the U.S. It's affecting U.S. auto plants right now. Okay, headline next week, Mitch. Case challenging voter ID and tax cap amendments heads to the state Supreme Court. Headline next week. Redistricting, redistricting, redistricting. When will it end? When will we vote? We're going to vote uh, towards the end of next week, probably Thursday. But when will we vote in the primary? May? It'll be May. I think the May date still holds. Headline next week. Nothing in politics matter. We're entering into the home stretch of ACC basketball season, and that's really what matters. <laughs> Headline next week. Unfortunately, prices at the pump continue to go up. Mask mandates over now. Well, hopefully it'll be very soon. We know that in North Carolina schools, it's still sort of up in the air. Okay, that's it for us. Great job, gents. Hope to see you next week on Front Row. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. Major funding for Front Row is provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by. Funding for the Lightning Round provided by Body Knoll Foundation, NC Realtors, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, and Helen Lockery. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row.